Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Just quick, a few quick announcements. Yeah, you can turn me way down. I'm sorry. A few quick announcements. Um, first of all, we started Grace Groups last Tuesday. So if you've not had the opportunity, uh, we've got a women's group that's meeting in the cafe on Tuesday night, and our men meet uh, upstairs in the youth group on Tuesday nights. And we also provide Zoom. So if you want to Zoom in, now everything's an experiment. Can somebody say amen? Come on, guys. Um, everything's an experiment. So even in our Zoom meetings, it was sort of fun because whoever Zoomed in, it's like they got all the attention because we were just watching them trying to figure out how to turn stuff on, and, and we've all been there. Can I get an amen? So, so we're experimenting through that, but listen, it's already been powerful. So whether you Zoom or whether you join us in person, there's still time. We're only going into our second week, and we're taking that right into Easter which, can you believe, Easter is only six weeks away. I mean, so we're, we're close. But then, uh, not only do we want to encourage you to be a part of the grace groups, <clears throat> we also want to encourage you, if you're visiting with us today, please go to our website. Uh, you can do it right now if you want to. Just go to the website and text in guests. Let us know you're a guest. Fill in that information for us. We're not trying to do that to, to harass you. We'll do that later. The better we get to know you, will harass you. But we want to do that because we want to know what God is doing in your life. See, this isn't about just attendance. If there's one thing I've learned about this whole COVID, <laughs> um, if you're just attending, you're dying. There's got to be something different. There's got to be growth. And we want to know who you are because we want you to know what God is doing in your life. Now, that might sound a little heavy, but, but see, God's got a plan for every one of us. And so we want to know. So please, if you're a guest this morning, let us know. Type that in. And, and also, we're, we're big on this too. Please, I, this is not something I'm bashful about. We take time to give. As a matter of fact, I'm going to slow down for a minute. Because we want to give you time. If, if you want to go to the website right now, and I'm very serious, because it could be that some of you, God's been laying some things on your heart. This is the time. You can do it after service. You can give uh, in person to our ushers in the back as you leave. You can give online. And I also encourage you, if you have your own church, if you belong to another church family, please, that's where you need to tithe and give and plant that seed. But um, whatever the Lord's laying on your heart this morning, we encourage you. And, and those that are streaming in, I thank you for your faithfulness. It's been so incredibly unique how God has met every need, and how God continues to just meet those needs. It's, it's quite amazing. I don't know why I'm always surprised, but God answers prayers, and God supplies the needs, and I'm like, wow. Um, man, we made it another month, and God's like, what? <laughs> you didn't think we would? So it's just trusting God, but I'm thanking God for your faithfulness. Amen. Somebody say amen. All right, let me, let me ask a couple of questions this morning as we get into the Word. 
Have you ever been dehydrated? When I was, uh, I think maybe in fifth grade, and it's so good to have my brother Bill and his wife Christy with us this morning. Um, sometimes it's a little scary because when family just shows up like this, you don't know if it's a funeral or I'm just, I'm, am I dead? I don't know. <laughs> Did I die and didn't know it? <clears throat> but it's good to see you guys. But Bill, Bill was, uh, you know, we were together, obviously. I was in fifth grade. And he and myself and my cousins, we were actually helping our father and his brother put in fence posts. We were in central Florida. It was a scorching hot day. And the last thing I remember was um, dropping the post hole diggers and like stare, looking at the house, which seemed like a, a mile away, but I just started walking toward the house, and it got smaller and smaller and smaller, and I woke up in bed. And I didn't know what was going on. I don't think anybody else, and Billy can testify to this, I don't think anybody else knew what was going on, too, because our medical plan when I was a kid is he'll be all right. <laughs> he'll be all right. Just let, let, him, let him rest a little while. He'll be fine. But what I realized is I had dehydrated. And when you dehydrate, one of the first things that go is your, your, your tongue and your mouth gets dry. And it's hard to, to talk. You're trying to swallow and talk, and your lips might get stuck together. And it gets a little confusing when you try to talk. But then also you're your mind, you get very confused. It's, it's hard to put two and two together. All you know is something's wrong, okay? And if you've ever been dehydrated, you know what I'm saying, and you're just weak, you're lethargic, you don't want to do anything. I want to speak to that today. Because actually it's not about if you're there it's about making sure we don't get there. I think one of the greatest challenges we have is that um, we live in a culture that water is so accessible, you know, we, we have it bottled. You know, it's all around us. To think that someone with us or around us would literally dehydrate seems impossible right up until where you live freezes like Texas. And you're in a, the frozen tundra for a week at a time, no power, water pipes are burst, you're literally boiling snow to even drink water. You don't know what's safe, what's not safe. But then, when you get desperate, you know you're in trouble. My concern is we don't know we're in trouble. Can I share one more story? I don't have a lot of stories, so one more. <clears throat> Uh, Diane and I lived in Phoenix, Arizona for a season. Now, Phoenix, Arizona is a beautiful place, and it is hot in Phoenix, Arizona. But the cool thing about Phoenix, Arizona is there's no humidity. It's, a, it's what they call a dry heat. And one of the first things I noticed when we lived in Phoenix was how early the, the workers that worked yards and those kind of things they would be out so early in the morning that I could hear the lawnmowers when I still thought I had about another hour of sleep. They were coming by cutting things and trimming bushes, and I'm thinking, what is their deal out here? They just want to get up so early. Here's the deal. They weren't trying to get up early. They were trying to quit soon. Because by, mid, by midday, they were done. 
If you worked outside in Phoenix, Arizona, you were done by lunch. You didn't press your luck and, and try to work into the afternoon. Why? Because you would dehydrate. And a lot of people had to learn that the hard way. Because we all have the tendency to think, well, that happened to them. <laughs> but that, you know, that won't happen to me. Right? That couldn't, I'm, I've got my act together. I know what I'm doing a little bit better. By the way, while I'm wrapping this story up, turn to John chapter 4. I've got my act together. I know how to handle things. It, it amazed me the first year we, the period that we lived in Phoenix, how many people that were new to Phoenix would be dehydrated. Because see, in Phoenix, you don't know that you're dehydrated until it's too late. You don't sweat. You don't even sweat in Phoenix. That's one good thing about living in Phoenix. You didn't sweat. It just would evaporate so quickly. And the next thing you know, you're lethargic. You can't, you can't think. You don't even know what's next, and you just don't even have the energy to get back to a hot car. It's sad. Now, what has that got to do with our spiritual welfare? If you remember, we started in John several weeks ago. And I'm just going to hit on this just for a moment this morning because the first chapter of John, what is called the prologue or the beginning, I think it's very unique and very powerfully profound that it's called the prologue or the beginning because it, John's desire is to show that Jesus, John doesn't get into the, the narrative of the manger. He goes straight to the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He goes straight to the chase. And, and it's one of those things where John, from the very first verse, tries to get you to understand throughout that entire chapter, Jesus is the Messiah. And he uses words throughout that entire chapter to describe him. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light of man. Jesus is the Messiah. By the time he gets to John the Baptist, Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is uh, the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of God. In verse 14 it says, and, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. So John is trying to really get us to understand Jesus is real. This really happened. You have to believe because he's here. And John the Baptist proclaims, I'm not the Messiah, but he is here, and John the Baptist points to him. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, because when we get to this story, by the time we get to this story, in chapter 3, Jesus had talked to a man by the name of Nicodemus, this very brilliant, educated man, who was having a conversation with Jesus regarding being born again, and Nicodemus thinking, because he's highly educated in the Jewish faith. He knows there's a Messiah coming, but what's this got to do with being born again? How is a man born twice? And see, even in that conversation, Jesus is constantly going back to, it's me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that through the world that through me the world might be saved. Jesus is constantly speaking to himself, and John is trying to constantly get us to understand 
He is the Messiah. And let me back up before I read one more time. I love this. The end of chapter uh, 2, I believe it is, um, after Jesus has cleansed the temple, and I'm going to go back to that in a moment. They have their little spat. They question Jesus. But, but then the disciples say they, they experience this because, and then John the Baptist fast forwards to A.D. 85 when John was written to tell us about what we would have seen if we had seen the resurrection. The reason this was real when Jesus cleansed the temple is because they had seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, when something happened and you've seen the results, you have an easier time putting it on paper. This is real. That's what John was doing. Jesus was, John was writing about a Jesus that he had seen and he had experienced and that he had seen as a resurrected Christ. Now, we've talked about being witnesses before. But as we lead into this, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus, throughout the rest of these passages, are doing nothing. He's doing nothing but entering into people's lives to bring transformation and prove they can trust him. So verse 4, or verse, uh, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. <clears throat> now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, would you give me a drink of living water? And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his son and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. You see, the water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I'm going I'm to stop there just for a minute. There, there's a lot going on in this passage. And what I'm going to talk about today may make it seem overly simplistic, but, but you need to take it home. Because, see, we, we know here right away Jesus is not talking about natural water, but she still is. You see, really, she, she says, yes, I, I want this water so I can never come back here to this well again. Put in the sewage. Put in the water line. I'll never have to leave the house again. That's what she's saying. See, there's a tendency 
um, if we're honest, to try to find ways and find those shortcuts to get whatever Jesus is talking about. Now, let me explain this just for a minute. First of all, I've got a lot of stuff in me today. So, and they don't have the clock on the back wall, so it's not my fault straight up, okay? <clears throat> so, to me, it's just 930, all right? Um, but I know my wife knows all the hand, hand signals. So, so what, what am I saying? Well, you can go a certain amount of time without water. But typically, if you go three days without water, your organs start to shut down. Now, please don't get silly on me here. What if you drink Kool-Aid? I don't, you know. If you go without any water for three days, no drink, your organs start to shut down. Forget being thirsty. Forget not thinking clearly. Your organs start to shut down. I'm talking about death. Okay? Um, that's not including the people who are out working or working out in the sun and they dehydrate much quicker and without water and sufficient nutrition, they could die in a day. Some may last for several days. Some may last for a week. The, the bottom line is, I'm not here to try, out, try to find out how long we can go without water. You can't go very long without water. So, so this, this kind of water she's talking about we know we're constantly going to need. Listen, I've got a bottle of water right here. Not by, this is not an illustration. I have one with me every week. I'm a dry preacher. That was a very bad joke, but that's, you know, I have water all the time. Why? Because I'm always sipping on water. I get a dry throat. Why? Because one sip of water does not last the rest of your life. Amen. When you guys leave here today, chances are you're going to home and you're going to eat. Are you going to go to a restaurant if they have in-service and you're going to eat? Why? Well, most of you will be hungry, but a lot of you just know that it's time to eat. Even if you're not hungry, can I get an amen? Because there, if you can eat something, but you wait long enough, you're going to be hungry. So in this, in this story, this lady's hearing this man talk about water that you'll never thirst again. And her, her, now listen, her response is, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I, I wonder sometimes, and it's natural, because our flesh, when we get thirsty, it's natural. We, we replenish it. But isn't it amazing how sometimes we can get spiritually thirsty? And instead of replenishing it, we try to fill it with what we think will fill it. Instead of allowing Jesus to quench our thirst, we allow or come up with better ways to quench that thirst. Um, we're constantly seeking. We're constantly searching for ways. We have an insatiable appetite. We live in a culture that everything, and we're all guilty of this, so I'm not picking on anybody. We're all guilty of this. That's why you can go to any supermarket and you can't even stand the express lane because it's too slow. You get mad at the self-checkout when the rookie is in front of you. I learned, I learned many, many months ago 
a young lady who attends our church here, works at Home Depot. And we were all standing there with our mask on, waiting in the self-checkout, and I'm just standing there with one item, just going, please, Lord, please, Lord. Because I saw people in front of me, and they were like looking at the gun and, and looking at the box and looking at the gun again, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, right now, help me, help me, help me. And all of a sudden, this young lady that was directing traffic said, hi, pastor, how are you? <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for not letting me say something stupid. Because we get impatient. And we, we decide, you know what? I, this used to be a good way, but I'm going to come up with a better way. This used to be fulfilling, but I'm going to come up with another way that's more fulfilling. I used to enjoy this, but I'm going to come up with a better way to enjoy this. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you keep going there, you're always going to be thirsty. If you keep, every time you go somewhere that you think will fulfill, it might satisfy for a moment, but you're going to find yourself thirsty all over again. It may, it may quench that thirst in an artificial way, but you're going to find yourself thirsty again. And what Jesus was saying is what I'm offering you, you'll never thirst again. Making sense? I see, I know some of you are still equating that with a natural thirst. But it's not, it has nothing to do with your natural thirst. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual rest. See, some of us, we have this emptiness in us that we try to quench in different ways. Because we just want to feel like we're like we're all right with God, and or we've just given up because we don't think we'll ever be right with God. So we just try to find ways to fill that void. Am I making sense? Don't get quiet on me. And because here's the reality. All of us get thirsty. If, if, if I took every one of you and we went out and stood in the parking lot, I know it's cold, but the bright sun, after about 20 or 30 minutes, believe me, all of you would be saying, I need, I need something to drink. I need something to drink. I'm thirsty. Getting near lunch, I need something to drink. It's not like only one of us would be doing that. You would all... If we all went back in the cafe, we don't have any, so don't think about it. But we, if we all went back in the cafe and ate salty popcorn. See, some of you are getting thirsty right now, just me talking like this. But if we had salty popcorn and you were sitting there eating salty popcorn, every one of you within 10 or 15 minutes would be saying, have we also got bottled water somewhere? It's natural, isn't it? So this is common to every man that spiritually speaking... There's going to come a point where if you're not drinking the real water, you're going to try to fill it with an artificial water. Because listen to what Jesus goes on to say. She says, sir, yes, give me this water. Yes, you've got my attention. Now, is Jesus just wanting to make a statement to a woman at the well? No, the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria. Up until now, when you go back to John chapter 2, the first miracle Jesus ever did was not even necessarily planned. It's his mother got him involved. We preached on this several, year, several weeks ago. And, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding because his mother was invited to the wedding, and they ran out of wine. And very quickly, when Jesus' mother turned to Jesus and says, do something, this is not, has nothing to do with me. Whatever he says, do it. You remember and so then, 
Then Jesus, now this is the key. He looks over at six pots or six jars, but they weren't just six jars. They were the purification jars. Jesus looked at the jars that were used for purification and said, get those. I'm going to prove a point. Because what we think we always use to be pure is going to change. What we think always brought purification isn't going to be that way after a while. It's getting ready to change. As a matter of fact, just go fill it with water and then serve some to the master. And it was turned into wine. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to speak anything into that story except for Jesus was blatantly saying, how you think you get clean is not how you get clean. How you think you take care of your thirst is not how you take care of your thirst. And he turns right around later on in chapter 2, and he cleanses the temple. All he was saying, he was saying, there's so many preaching points and application points, I promise you. But what Jesus was saying is, the old way of you think you getting clean is getting ready to change. You can keep doing things the old way, but it's never going to meet the standard. You can keep doing things the old way, but it's never going to bring fulfillment. What he was saying is, I'm here. I'm the one. John was pointing to Jesus Christ. So now he leaves that setting, and he says, you know what? I need to go through Samaria. Why? Because he didn't come just for the Jews. He comes to this broken woman who's thirsty. Why? Why is he sitting there at noon? Because of his travels, he finds himself at the heat of the day at this well. Why is the woman there? Because nobody else is. During the heat of the day, that's when she's brave enough to go out in public. Because everybody else is resting. That's when she's brave enough to, to take a chance to get the water that we all need on a regular basis. The, the reputation won't catch up with her if nobody sees her. What she's done in the past won't catch up with her because she can't, rea she can't come to the realization that her past will ever be healed. She can't really fully understand or even believe that what she's done can ever have a future or ever have a hope. But now here's this man, a Jew, talking to a Samaritan, and that is just so, um, we can fit that into our, culture in, in so many different ways, but just think about your greatest enemy that you shouldn't have. And how you just don't want to be around them. You didn't see too many Jews around as well, even though it was given to Joseph by Jacob. And now that it's in Samaria, it's odd for a Jew to be there. And so now, what, what's going on here? I want what you've got. And she doesn't even know she's talking to the Messiah yet. If you've got this kind of water, I want, because not only do I not want to be thirsty again, I don't even want to have to come back to this well. In other words, not only do I want to not feel empty again, I don't want to have to deal with all the baggage that comes with it. So what does Jesus lovingly say, go call your husband. 
He says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What have you said is true? The woman said to him. Now what's going on here? And, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally just breaking this down a little section out of section, because I want you to just feel this story. Jesus did not say this to condemn her. He says this to confront her. There's a difference between condemning and confronting. And see, we live in a culture, let me just say this, we live in a culture, if you don't learn where your thirst is satisfied, You'll never be able to convince a culture that they're thirsty. But secondly, if you're not willing to be so filled with this water that you'll never thirst again, that you will lovingly yet boldly confront being accused of condemn. So just get ready. Um, We've not felt the pressure yet, guys. But you start preaching truth on a regular basis, and then you start living truth on a regular basis, somebody's going to feel condemned. When really all that's really happening is they're confronted. You confront someone, how dare you judge me? Oh, I'm not judging you, sweetheart. It's pure, it's it's truth. We can see it. There's no judgment here. This is what it is. Now, I'm I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you that what you're doing is wrong. Now, let me just, let me clear this up real quick. I'm not encouraging you to go to work tomorrow and say, excuse me, um, can we talk over here for a few minutes? I just want to, I had a great service yesterday, and I just want to let you know you're wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. But how about when you're sitting down with a friend, and they're, they're telling you why they're thirsty? They're telling you why I've been going from this relationship to this relationship to this, and nothing seems to be working out right. You know why? Because you're trying to feed that thirst with another relationship rather than Jesus. You're trying to to feed that with something that you can create. You're trying to feed that, but see, that will never quench your thirst. Another relationship will never quench your thirst. Another thing, another car, another job, and we chase all those things Um, I'm not trying to get weird on you this morning, and certainly I know if you're streaming, you can click a button right now, and it's over, right? But here's here's some fun facts. You can look back over your life, if you're honest, and there are cycles that you can see you operate in. Whether it's cycles of sin, whether it's in married couples, there's just cycles that you operate in, Okay? Things are good for two weeks, but then he does this, and then you say this, and he says this, and all hell breaks loose for two weeks. And then it takes about another week for you to hit that curve, and then everything's beautiful for two weeks. You know, it's like that married couple that had been married for 50 years, and they asked the man, hey, man, you look, you look great. You look in great shape. How did you, how did you have stay married 50 years? You got a great marriage. You're in great shape. He said, well, when we got married, someone told me that if you ever got in an argument with your wife, just go out and take a walk. He said, I've been walking for 50 years. <laughs> right? 
And for those of you who aren't married, just trust me, start walking. Right? Because there's going to be conflict. Because you can look back in your life and you can see cycles of conflict. Now, what, what are those cycles all about? Well, I'm not here to go into counseling this morning and to help you work through stuff. That is necessary. I'm not against helping people work through stuff. What I am saying, nine times out of ten, is because we're trying to feed our own thirst. We're trying to quench our own thirst. We're trying to drink from the wells we want to drink from. Listen to what Jeremiah says. My people have done two evils, God says. They have turned away from me, the spring of living water, and listen, they have dug their own wells which are broken, wells that cannot hold water. You know why we have all these cycles in our life? We keep going through motions that we think will bring the answer. We keep going around and around on things that we think will be the answer. But I promise you what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is trying to get across to her is not condemnation, it's confrontation. He doesn't confront her to embarrass her. He confronts her to help her realize, I'm not talking about agua. I'm not talking about liquid. I'm talking about a spiritual thirst. I can fill a spiritual thirst in your life that you'll never, you'll never be searching for one relationship after another relationship after another relationship after another, trying to be fulfilled. If I could just find my purpose. Now, I'm, I'm all about helping people find their purpose. I'm all about trying to help people find the why in their life, right? We have many of you here that are in business. We've got tremendous business leaders here, educators in the field of business. We all know the importance of why, because if you know why you exist, there's a reason to get up in the morning. If you know why and what your purpose is, you don't get up in the morning, well, I'm just, I just don't feel like doing anything today, because you don't know what to do. But if you have purpose, but can I just tell you, you can have great purpose, but without Jesus, you could even reach that purpose and still be dry. You can know your why and have purpose and make a million dollars next year. And I promise you, I know millionaires who are miserable. They're empty. They've got money, which means they even have more resources to dig more wells whose cisterns hold no water. And you wonder why, how can these people be miserable? They have everything that I want because you're stuck in the same pattern of thinking if you can get that, that'll fill that thirst. Now, I'm not preaching condemningly. I hope I'm confronting a little bit, though. Understanding that confrontation might make you a little bit uncomfortable. So let me ask you a question. What wells are you digging to quench a thirst what things are you chasing to see that that, that scratch, that, that itch is just scratched and that thing is, is met, that need is met when Jesus all along is saying, listen, I'm not talking about water. I'm talking about something much deeper because you're going to be thirsty for this again in about two hours. You're going to be thirsty for this. After you eat around 6 o'clock tonight, you'll be hungry again. And if not, even if you're doing the intermittent fasting, Intermittent fasting, you'll be hungry tomorrow. Okay? Well, Pastor, I'm spiritual. I'm on my 22nd day of my 40-day fast. Okay, but day 41, you're going to be eating. Okay? So I'm not trying to be silly or unspiritual. 
I'm just saying we need to get real. That's why Jesus says, okay, if you really want this water, bring me your husbands. Well, I don't, I'm on my fifth divorce and the guy I'm with is, is not even mine. I know. I love her next statement. Listen to this. I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, here's what that says in code. Ready? Here's what that's going to say in the culture we live in. You lovingly start talking to someone, and something slips out like, you know what? I'm not sure you should be even going after that. That's not going to bring fulfillment. Would you stop preaching to me? Boom. That's what's happening right there. Are you a prophet? Because suddenly, this went from, I've got water and you'll never thirst again, to bring me your husband. And then you say, you know I don't have a husband. What, are you preaching to me? You ever feel that way? Maybe like right now, I don't know. (laughs) But she says, "I I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem, the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, listen, and now is here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Can I just hit on that spirit and in truth for about five minutes? Because we get this wrong sometimes, and I've heard it preached so many ways, but it's so simple. Jesus is not trying to confuse us with some deep theological premise. He just wants us to believe. Because what he's saying here is simply this. It's not about a place. When you worship God, it's not about a place. You are the place of worship. Your life is the place of worship. Where you go is the place of worship. Now, this is the proverbial house of worship that we corporately come together to worship but you are the temples of the holy spirit you are as we collect collectively come together we are the household of faith but we are dispersed throughout the throughout the week and it it doesn't mean that we're little churches everywhere we're a part of the body of christ of a larger gathering that meet corporately here on sunday and what jesus is saying is listen It's never going to be about a building again. You you think you have to go to the mountain. You don't even know what you're worshiping at the mountain. We do because salvation comes through the Jews. And Jesus doesn't even take her on a journey through the scriptures. He just says there's coming a day, and it's here. when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and the truth. Because it's not about being in Jerusalem. It's not about being on a mountain, or in a building. What does spirit and truth mean? It means that it's a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But it's, it's only a work of the Holy Spirit in your life when there's truth. Truth about what? Two things. That you believe he's the truth. It's, it's all about believing. And here's the tough one, you ready? That you believe the truth about yourself. 
What is the truth about myself that I refuse to believe? Yes, I believe Jesus, but, you know, I'm not that bad. Yes, I believe Jesus, and, and I believe he's at work out there, and I believe the Holy Spirit, but, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. I'm not that bad. Or even to the other extreme that says, I, I believe in God, but there's no way he would forgive me. You understand what I'm saying? And, and we go down this road of, of saying, well, what, what is truth? It, the truth is we've got to believe that Jesus Christ is true. But we've got to be willing to deal with our own truth. What was her own truth? That, that she was looking for love in all the wrong places. That she was wanting to quench her thirst by creating her own well. She was trying to, she was trying to find peace in her life by creating her own settings. Her own, and all it did was lead from one relationship in her, in her life, one relationship to the next. One, and now we're not talking about a city of 100,000. This is a small village. But word, it didn't take long for word to get around. Maybe 20 minutes. All right. Here she comes. That's why she was out there all by herself as well. She didn't want to hear all the talk. She didn't want to hear all the smack. She didn't want to hear that. It's easier to live in that isolation than it is to be out there and hear all the bickering and the the name-calling and the labeling. I wonder how many people we know that are so bogged down in sin and grief and hate and bitterness and loneliness, and they already don't believe there's a way out. Are, are possibly people, I wonder how many people we know, that, that they believe, they say they believe Jesus is the answer, and they know that there's a work of the Holy Spirit that needs to take place, but they, they refuse to believe truth that Jesus is the only way and that they are sinners they are broken can I say something that may upset a few of you I prove I'm broken every day you know it's not a goal that I said in the morning you know it's not a part of my uh, it's not written on my calendar anywhere <laughs> you know by 10 o'clock prove this you know no it's just something that as long as I'm in this flesh that I am, I am constantly trying to make sure I'm crucifying and, and disciplining and, and walking it out, following after Christ, there, there are still moments when I prove my humanity. And it's that truth. That if I try to hide that truth, that would be like this woman saying, well, Jesus, um, I've never been married. Can you imagine how that would have gone down? Bring me your husband. Well, it just so happens that I've never been married. He, know, he knows it's a lie. And again, not, this is not condemning. He knows when you're lying. He knows when you're putting on. You know, listen, you may hide well from all of us, but you're, gonna, you're never going to hide from Jesus. So even when Jesus speaks into your spirit, listen, are you thirsty? Why don't you stop digging your own wells and trust me? Worship me. Let me preempt this by saying, I'm so blessed that you're here this morning. I believe it's vital that we come together collectively and corporately and worship. But you are part of the body of Christ even if you weren't here this morning. And if you're not here 
on a regular basis, you'll still get a phone call. I still want to know what's going on. But here's the reality. It's not about an attendance record. Remember when you were kids, those of you who were raised in church, they used to give out attendance records? And, I mean, I never had a perfect record, you know. I mean, you know, we'd be out of town on vacation, and I would look at those kids who broke the Sunday school records. They never missed a Sunday. And can I be honest with you? I sort of felt sorry for them. It was almost like, man, poor kid. He, he never got to miss a Sunday. Sometimes, you, you know, they don't even go on vacation. What's wrong with this family? Thank the Lord it's not about attendance. Thank the Lord it's not about how we behave, how we, now listen, we have to mature so this isn't go out and act like you want, but it's, it's definitely about Jesus accepts you where you are. He meets you where you are. He's meeting some of you where you are right now this morning. You thought you were just coming to church for one more service. You thought you were slipping in for one more service. But Jesus is just here to remind some of us, no, I am the answer. It's not something that's just been made up over the years. It's not something that you've just been, we've been trying to convince you. I'm here for you one more time to hear that I'm the word, I'm light, I'm life, I'm the lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. I look to the purification pots and say they're not necessary anymore. You're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I look to the temples and the buildings and say, this is not it. I look to the broken person at the well. I'm looking at the broken person at work, the broken person trying to hide, the broken person trying to, trying to hope nobody finds out my stuff. And I say, listen, nobody else knows your stuff, but I do. And he says, bring it to me. And then when we even challenge the whole idea of worship, he says, listen, it's about you being, you being, allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life and you being truthful about who I am and who you are. Does this make sense? The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, and I'm wrapping this up. I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all these things. <laughs> Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I love the, the NIV. Other translations use this also. But Jesus says, I am the one. You know, somehow this morning, if you're thirsty, he's saying it to you. Lord, I've, I've tried this. Um, Lord, I've tried staying busy. I've tried to be productive. And Lord, even when we are productive, it's like holding diamonds in our hands. They just fall through our fingers. Can't seem to hold on to anything. As soon as I feel secure, I'm not secure enough. As soon as I feel we're on a good place, it's not good enough. Why? Because we live in a broken world, guys. As soon as I drink a bottle of water, I'm thirsty in 20 minutes. Why? Because this will not quench the thirst we're talking about. Only Jesus can quench that thirst. He goes on to say, as his disciples come back, they marveled because Jesus was even talking to them. And then the woman left her water jar there. And she goes back into town and said to the people, 
Now, the people she's trying to avoid, she goes back to. The people that, for some reason, there was some isolation, she goes back to. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. <laughs> Can this be the Christ? You know, and I don't know. I'm, you know, please forgive me, all you theologians out there, but I'm going to do some eisegesis here. You ready? Eisegesis is when you read something into the passage. So this isn't allowed in most theological papers. But here we go. I believe she said, hey, come see a man that when he knew all my junk, didn't turn me away. He's got to be the Christ. Because from what I understand, when he comes, there's freedom, there's joy, there's truth, there's forgiveness, all this stuff we've heard about Messiah. Come see a man. I just met a man at a well. He told me everything I've ever done, and he didn't walk away. He told me everything I've ever done, and he didn't scoff. He told me everything I've ever done, and when his disciples came back and said, what are you doing talking to this woman? He didn't say, oh yeah, my bad. I'm not, I'm not going to go any further than this. A few nights ago, we were in the Bible study. And again, I want to encourage you to get involved in the small groups. <clears throat> There's just life there. But we were talking out of 1 John, how John describes Jesus in those first several passages and we went around the room and, and we said, hey, if, if you could do anything and know you wouldn't fail, what would you do? And we had some great, great answers like world peace. That's a, that's a good answer. We had other answers like people, we want everybody to know Christ, um, cure world hunger. And I said, okay, now let me ask you another question. Why don't we really believe that? Why don't we really believe that we can? And it wasn't like a, a trick question. It was more of just getting us to realize that sometimes when Jesus asks us to do something, he, he, he really wants us to trust him enough that we're not going to fail. So for instance, how do we do this world peace thing? Well, I know with me, it starts by being a good husband. You know, it's great to sing, let there be peace on earth. But it's better to sing, let there be peace at home. So what's my challenge? It's not, it's not to go out and try to help everybody have peace. But it's making sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing at home. Now, I'm not trying to shift this message to couples right now. But listen, you want to have peace, uh, peace on earth? Start peace at home. Right? Didn't, I'm not getting a lot of amens on that, guys, but, but that's how it works. All right? Um, and ladies, it goes the same thing for you, by the way. Now, all the men should have said amen right there. You know, this, this is not a, a one-way street. God's trying to do a work in all of our lives. But, but here's the thing. When... When, they, when people know your life and people know your story, have you ever heard the expression, man, there must be something in the water? Have you ever heard that expression? You know, 
you'll, you'll be out on a baseball field or a football field somewhere, and you'll see two or three guys from the same area, and they're just killing it out there. I mean, they're t- scoring touchdowns. They're running plays. They're as fast. They're incredible. And say, so, oh, yeah, they're all from Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, man, there must be something in the water. Because everybody that comes out of Norfolk, Virginia, they're incredible athletes. What if they started saying that about you? What if they started seeing such a change in your life that it impacted your family? It impacted your place where you work. It impacted your job. It impacted your life. And, and not to the place, well, I, you know, I just don't know if I can live up to it. We already know you can't live up to it. It's, it's not about us condemning or judging you. It's about letting him lead you in such a way that when Jesus Christ is seen in your life, people say, wow, there must be something in the water. Last story, let's all stand. I I asked Bob's permission to share this. Bob's been coming to church here, um, well, certainly during COVID, and since we've been meeting in person and and become a, a, a vital part of what we do here through our REACH program. But Bob shared with us Tuesday night, he said, you know what, with... Um, I had some of my family members, primarily a, a few nephews, I believe, that came up to him and said, what's changed? Something's up. Something's going on. You know, you talk differently. Um, I forgot how Bob exactly put it, but your mouth has changed. Your words are different. Hello? There's not a lot of extra words coming out. (laughs) Something of that nature. All right? Um, In other words, somebody has saw, yeah, he was a Marine. That's the problem right there, right? (laughs) Can I get an amen from the Navy crowd out there, right? Um, Here's, yeah, here's, here's um, here's where I love life. <laughs> when when people not can only see that you've been cleansed on the outside, but when people start noticing a cleansing from within, and people start thing, saying things like, "Wow, what's changed? You talk differently. Something's different. You're not the person I met a year ago." You're not the same person I talked to last month. And see, if if we're constantly, listen, and and I'm I'm preaching to myself, if I'm constantly living in this cycle, I'm trying to survive on my own. I'm trying to fill a physical and a spiritual thirst on my own. But Jesus says, I've got water. You'll never thirst again. And your worship will change because now your worship is about what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, and there's truth. You really believe who I say I am, but you really believe who you are. Now, that's not to condemn. That's as simple as this. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I am. um, God has highly uh, favored all of us. We all have gifts, talents, abilities that he's given all of us, and we need to surrender them to him, and let him just use us however he desires. But 
But a part of that is me confessing every day the truth of who I am. Yes, I'm a child of God. And, and this is going to mess somebody up, I know. But we have a tendency to, to want to walk around and, yes, confess the word of God. Be positive in your speaking. Don't be negative. But, but don't deny. Don't live in denial. Okay? Read all the positive scriptures. Read all the positive scriptures. But do me a favor, read all the other scriptures in between. The whole word of God. And yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but don't forget to pick up your cross. And, and all I'm saying is be truthful about yourself. I can't be truthful for you. But we who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Bible says she went back to her village and said, come see a man who told me everything I did. You guys know but he still loves me. The Bible says the whole village came to see him. Um, we've had conversations, <clears throat> and I'm going to pray. We've had a lot of conversations educationally, in the church, with staff, uh, with other teachers, other pastors. How are we going to reach this culture? This culture is, has got the, less, the, the least biblical worldview of, of multiple cultures behind us. Well, see, when I hear things like that, I, I, get a little, I get a little agitated. Because to me, it's like, how are we going to ever really shine because it's getting so dark? You know, a flicker in a dark place will light it up. There's just got to be a lot more of us that decide Here's what I'm going to live for. Jesus is the answer. That's all he's been trying to tell us for three chapters now. And now that we get to chapter four, he even goes off to people who we don't think deserve it. I wonder whose life will change this week because they see something different in me. I wonder whose life will change this week because instead of seeing condemnation, they may see confrontation and love but I wonder if they'll see Jesus in me. Come see a man who told me all about my past, but forgives me. Come see a man who knows my junk, my pain, my sorrow, but still loves me. That's who I want to know. If you're thirsty this morning, anybody thirsty? Anybody dry? Um, here's how we're going to pray. I know the last three weeks we talked about having a whole lot of rain. It's sort of awkward to talk about being thirsty with so much water, right? But I've equated it to this over the last several weeks. Everything has been so saturated, the water just begins to run everywhere it wants. I saw water running in my yard this week that I've never seen water before. But the yard is so saturated, it's just overflowing to everything. And I thought, Lord... Let my life be that. You see, you may feel dry right now, but when God just starts pouring into you, you can get so saturated that it just flows from you in places that he's never flowed before. It, it can flow from you in places that you could never expect it to flow. 
See, I'm, I'm sorry. I told you I had a lot in me. But even if you're thirsty this morning because you're dry or you feel like you've been saturated and you don't even think you're thirsty, I want us to pray that he continues just to fill you. Holy Spirit, fill you. Holy Spirit, oh, let your Holy Spirit run over in areas of my life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I, I just speak, I speak praise because we can come to a Father who loves us unconditionally. We can come to a Savior who, at our worst, you died for us. When you knew us from, from past to the present, when you knew all about us, you still loved us so much that you died for us. When you love us so much that you meet us at our lowest points, at our driest points, at our weakest points, at the, at the places in our lives where our lives are undone, our lives are spent, our lives are spinning out of control, and you still say, if you're thirsty, I can help you. You're trying to do it your way, but the way I'm talking about is what's really going to be the answer. It's going to be a work of the Spirit and truth. Believe who I am, but listen, believe who you are. Let me do a work in you. And Father, we just come to you today. Lord, I even come against hard hearts. I, I just pray that you melt hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, attitudes, and we all get them, Father, but, but attitudes and anger and resentment. Lord, there, there are people here today, Father, that, that are living in isolation and living in fear, hoping no one finds out, and they're just trying to get to the well and get home. But, Father, I pray that somehow they realize you desire transformation, and you can do a work in our lives that we could never have expected. And more importantly, when your Holy Spirit begins to flow from us, it can go places and directions that we could never coerce or try to intentionally make happen. You can do more in one conversation than we could try to do in years. Touch us, Lord. Forgive us. Do a work in us. We all just lift our hands as we are dismissed. Father, I pray a blessing on each individual here. Holy Spirit, go with them. Lead, guide, direct. Father, keep doing that work in us, Lord. Father, keep knocking on the doors of our heart to, to, to just keep reminding us there's things in our lives, Father, that once we surrender, once we move toward, Lord, your, your Holy Spirit is at work behind the scenes right now in other relationships that we don't even know about right now. But God, I just pray that you bless us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you go before us, go behind us, be around us, encamp around us, God. And Lord, I just pray that you be glorified in us this week. Father, for those who are teaching, Lord, in the challenges of teaching in this COVID environment, keep your hands upon them. Give them patience. Lord, give them uh, words of encouragement. But Lord, I pray that you also give them words of life. Lord, to those in higher education, to those in the office arena, Father, to those who are work at, on the field, in the office, in, in the public, God, we just pray that you use us, God that people would start to somehow say, even if they don't understand it, something is in the water. 
And I want some of that. Touch us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you guys. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.